Welcome to the Fasting Well podcast. This is episode number 42, and today I'm going to talk about what breaks your fast and what doesn't. This is a really common question that I get. Does this food or that drink or this piece of gum break my fast? And so that's what I'm going to cover today and kind of give you a full beginner's guide in a sense, because I'm going to not only teach you or give you some examples of what might break your fast or not break your fast, but also teach you some key principles so that you can potentially answer this question for yourself. And then also kind of talk about how to relate it to your goals, because it within reason it depends a little bit on your goals, whether something breaks your fast. And I will cover some specific examples as well. If you're new here, my name's Ben. I'm a PA, which is similar to a doctor. And I have a blog and a podcast and a YouTube channel about the health benefits of fasting and how to get started as a beginner. All right, so let's go ahead and get into the topic. So one thing you'll always want to keep in mind, one lens you'll want to be looking through whenever you ask this question about if something breaks a fast, is what are your goals? Because as I said earlier, within reason... Within reason, meaning obviously you can't eat a bunch of food and say you're fasting. (laughs) That would be silly, right? But within reason, if you're talking about little, small quantities of this and that, or a supplement or whatever, a lot of times, whether it, quote, breaks your fast depends on what your goal is and therefore how strict you want to be. So there's kind of a sliding scale or like a spectrum of strictness that will vary a little bit depending on what your goals are. So just think a little bit about what your goals are with fasting, and then you'll want to relate that to any of the things you might consume, any of the drinks or whatever that you might have while fasting. And of course, whenever we talk about how different, whether different things might break your fast, um, we're always talking about maybe sort of like a dirty fasting or modified fasting or something like that. And I talked quite a bit about dirty fasting in episode 13 of the podcast about the pros and cons of that. So that might be a helpful resource for you as well. But what are your goals with fasting? So there are a bunch of common ones like reducing body fat, normalizing blood sugar and insulin, boosting your ketone levels, getting into ketosis, in other words, um, inducing autophagy, that cellular spring cleaning, resetting your immune system to help with autoimmune symptoms, having better mental focus, resting your bowels, controlling hunger. And the list could actually go on because there are a bunch of potential benefits from short-term fasting and long-term fasting. And I actually went into a lot of detail about those in episode three, on benefits of short fasting like intermittent fasting, and episode 12 on the benefits of extended fasting on the podcast. So if that's a topic you want to explore more, go ahead and check out episode 3 and or episode 12. But remember to kind of think of this lens, what are your goals, and how are the things you're consuming going to impact your goals while you're fasting? With that being said, let's move on to the next kind of subtopic, which is What happens in your body when you're fasting, and how do different foods or drinks or whatever impact that fasted state? So what is the fasted state? Meaning, what is happening, what state is your body in when you're fasting? So in the fasted state, the biggest changes, kind of the big picture of the biggest changes that are happening in your body, is that your insulin level is low. That's probably the single most important thing. So insulin comes from your pancreas. It's a hormone that helps control your blood sugar level. So whenever you eat carbs, insulin goes up. That's the simple way to look at it. So when your insulin is low, that's because you haven't been eating any carbs for a while. 
So that means you're kind of fasting. So that's the, the single biggest thing that kind of defines the fasted state. But there are other things too. Another big one is that you're switching into fat metabolism or sort of like fat burning mode. So your main energy is fatty acids and ketones. Ketones are made out of fat. So you have fat and ketones, which kind of just go together hand in hand. And then a, a third component of the fasted state is that you have less energy coming into your body. So obviously you're not eating as much or maybe not eating anything at all. And that's why we would call it fasting. Now, interestingly, a ketogenic diet has a couple similarities to the fasted state. It also has the low insulin, and it also has you switching into fat metabolism and running on fat and ketones. But what it doesn't have is that decreased energy coming in, right? Because you're still eating the food. So that's, that's kind of a quick illustration of how keto and fasting have some strong similarities, some overlap, and that's why they have some of the same health benefits. Kind of a side note, but kind of, you know, might help you remember some of those key points as well. So that's what the fasted state is, or kind of how it's defined. It's not everything, but those are kind of the big pillars of it, um, the most important things to, to remember. So what happens if you consume some carbohydrates or sugar? How does that impact this fasted state? Well, those are going to raise your insulin. So at that point, you're done. You're not fasting anymore. Like in other words, if you drink juice or if you eat a piece of bread, you know, like you, then you spiked your blood sugar, you kind of spiked your insulin and you broke your fast. So basically anything with more than a trivial amount of carbohydrates or sugar does break your fast. Now, tiny, tiny amounts are okay. Like the one gram of carbs you might get in a bullion cube, for example, is not going to be enough to really matter. It's when you get up into the five grams, 10 grams, and up and up and up. You know, if it's just like one gram, it's not a big deal. In other words, if it's like a negligible amount, a trivial little tiny amount that's going to barely impact your blood sugar, then it's no big deal. While we're on the subject of carbs and sugar, I'll quickly mention sweeteners. So what about um, sugar substitutes, you know, artificial sweeteners, natural sweeteners, things like that? Well, as a broad general rule, it's okay to use those while fasting, but they might make you crave food or be, get hungry and not make it through your fast. So that's the, just the really big picture, the short answer to that. And that includes all the aspartame and the sucralose and the stevia and the monk fruit and the list goes on, right? But I'll get into that a little bit more when I'm talking about specific examples of things that may or may not break your fast. All right, so carbs was the carbs and sugar was the first macronutrient we talked about. What about protein? How does that impact the fasted state? Well, not as much as carbs, but it still does. So protein can raise your insulin, certainly not as much as carbohydrates and sugar, but it can raise your insulin some. It can also kind of prevent or block some of the things that happen while you're fasting, like autophagy, for example. Like you're certainly not going to have as much autophagy going on if you're consuming stuff with protein. Um, so protein impacts fasting, but not as much as, as carbs. So if you wanted to do sort of like a fasting mimicking diet, make one up on your own or whatever, and just consume something that's similar to fasting, you'd be way better off consuming protein than carbs, but you're still not really fasting. It's kind of like a modified fast or like a dirty fast or maybe not even quite a fast, <laughs> depending on how much protein you're consuming. Um, so certainly protein can be okay in training wheels, which I'll talk about a little bit later on. And one good example is bone broth. So that the type of broth called bone broth 
has quite a bit of protein, but it's often used as a training wheel to help beginners get through a fast, and you still can get a lot of benefits from the fasting, but maybe not quite as much as you would if, it, if you were doing a more of a clean fast. So what about fat? In other words, dietary fat. When you consume fat, how does that impact the fasted state? Well, it doesn't raise your insulin, so you're good there. So the most important feature of your fasting is intact. You can check that off. So your insulin's good. What about the second part about running on fatty acids and ketones? Well, yeah, you can keep doing that even when you consume dietary fat because, well, you're just bringing in more fat. Now, one of the differences, and this should be obvious, is that if you're chugging fat, like if you're you know, drinking some bulletproof coffee that has a bunch of butter or MCT oil or coconut oil or whatever, then naturally your body's not going to need to tap into your own fat stores as much as it would if you weren't chugging that fat. So you, what you did is you kind of changed that third part of the fasted state, which is less energy coming in. Because now you've got a bunch of energy coming in if you're consuming a lot of dietary fat. So f- consuming fat, is the closest thing to fasting without fasting, but it does have some impact because, of course, there's a bunch of energy coming in, and so that's going to change some of the features of fasting and maybe reduce some of the benefits of fasting. So always think about what's in the food, the drink, the whatever that you're consuming. Does it have carbs and sugar, protein, fat, how much, and how much total energy does it have? And then, of course, think about any other ingredients and any other effects that those may have and how those things affect that fasted state, the three key features of which were low insulin, switching to fat metabolism and running on fat and ketones, and having less energy coming into your body. Okay, so with that all out of the way, that gives you kind of a framework, the lens of what are my goals, what am I trying to accomplish, If I'm consuming this thing that has some sugar or some protein or some fat, what's that going to do? How's that going to impact my, you know, fasting kind of physiology, the fasted state? Is that going to kick me out of that fasted state? And the most obvious example was if you consume something with sugar or carbs, yes, it does because it raises your insulin. But then there were some other little nuances that I explained um, that should be helpful. Now, let's go through some examples of specific things that may or may not impact your goals and or impact the fasted state that you're trying to stay in to some extent. So this will be quite a few examples, so I'll have to do it a little bit rapid fire to an extent. Uh, You know, I'll share some information about them, but um, can't go into much detail or this would last all day. So, (laughs) all right. So I'm going to start with some things that are generally okay while fasting, some of which may also be kind of helpful have some benefits to, or maybe augment one of the benefits that you're getting from fasting already. So let's go, let's start with that part of the list, and then I'll introduce some other categories later on. So first, water. So water is okay while fasting. So unless you're doing a dry fast, which is kind of a different approach, then yeah, drink water. Now don't go completely crazy, because if you drink way too much water, it kind of dilutes the salt and other things in your bloodstream, but it's generally good to stay hydrated. So speaking of salt... Salt is another good thing to take in while you're fasting, and it doesn't have any really any negative impact unless you have a specific health issue where you got to be really careful about how much salt you take in, and, and then you'd have to be you know be a little more careful. But for most people, it doesn't really have any negative impact. And then there's the other electrolytes like the magnesium and potassium, which again 
mostly don't have any negative impacts on on fasting itself. Sometimes they can have side effects. There are certain medical conditions where you have to be careful, like with potassium, if you have kidney failure, for example. But anyway, salt and electrolytes are fine, and then the amount might vary depending on um, your health conditions or something like that. And how you get them might vary a little bit, but if we're just talking about the plain salt, the plain kind of magnesium or potassium without a bunch of other ingredients, then there's not much downside other than any um, specific health issues you may have. So I went into a lot more detail about salt and electrolytes in episode 20 of the podcast. So go ahead and listen to that if you have further questions about that topic. So some other things that are, that are okay and possibly helpful. So green tea. Green tea is a good thing to drink while you're fasting, and it has some specific molecules that may also be beneficial. So they're called catechins. One of them is EGCG. And those can kind of boost your metabolism or, or kind of help you, you know, burn more fat or, or whatnot. Um, black coffee is another one. And the caffeine that's in black coffee and green tea has some potential metabolic benefits while fasting of like mobilizing certain things. So, um, and of course they have like zero calories, no sugar, et cetera, um, all the things that I've mentioned so far. So if you start adding sweeteners or other things, that kind of changes the equation and we'll get into that later. Other than green tea, other types of tea are generally fine. But like I said, no sweeteners, and and uh, you'd want to avoid a type of tea that has like pieces of fruit in it. I guess that's a thing. I've never had that tea myself, but I've heard other people talk about it. When I say no sweeteners, I just mean if we're talking about a, a version of these that's definitely okay while fasting, then you wouldn't want sweeteners. Once you have the sweeteners, then it's kind of a different conversation. So, <laughs> All right, so moving on. Um, so apple cider vinegar, for some reason that comes up a lot. That's basically fine to use while you're fasting, kind of as a supplement or whatever, where you'd mix some of it with water and, and just drink it. It, it kind of helps control blood sugar. It might help control appetite and, and stuff like that. Um, lemon water. So if you just squeeze a little bit of lemon into your water, it's definitely not enough like sugar to be a big deal. And, and some people just like the flavor and, and maybe it helps them control their appetite or whatever. So that's something you could try. Everything's got to be individualized because maybe, maybe there's somebody out there that if they drink lemon water, it makes them crave candy or something, who knows, <laughs> lemon flavored candy. So you always got to just be aware of your own individual response and whatnot. All right. So continuing on, uh, carbonated water, also known as seltzer water or soda water is pretty much fine. There's theoretically a possibility it could make you more hungry. Um, and if it has other flavors and things, that could do the same thing. So, but mostly fine, just, you know, individual response. Cinnamon. I like adding cinnamon to stuff sometimes when I'm fasting. Um, it, it, cinnamon kind of has like a blood sugar benefit, possibly, in some cases. Um, and it's just sort of a flavor. But like any flavor, you know, it might stimulate some craving for a cinnamon roll <laughs> or what have you. But otherwise, it's, it's fine. Uh, toothpaste. People ask about toothpaste. This is kind of a, a different type of question, right? Because you're not going to be like swallowing toothpaste, um, probably, but you put it in your mouth. So you just mainly want to stay away from the ones that have extra sugar or sweeteners if you can. But if not, just make sure you spit it out, rinse out your mouth, and you'll probably be fine. It's not a big deal. Um, vitamins, including fish oil. So vitamins, my general approach to vitamins is I don't think you really need to take them while you're fasting. Obviously, that could vary for some people, depending on specific health issues or whatever. But if you can go a few days without food, you can probably go a few days without vitamins, too. 
Um, now, some vitamins have sugar, like maybe the gummy vitamins, for example. So you'd want to stay away from any sugar. And then if you're talking about something like fish oil, that basically just means you're consuming fat. So remember when we talked about consuming fat? But if you're just taking a little fish oil supplement, it's usually not very much fat. You're probably only going to get like 10 calories, 15 calories, maybe a little more, but usually not that much more. So it's usually not a big deal. Um, one supplement that's probably not, doesn't really have much downside and may be helpful while fasting is creatine. So like the creatine powder because um, it just kind of helps you mobilize energy in a sense, like like the way you use and use and regenerate ATP, which is one of the things that carries energy in your body. Um, so that was a list of things that are pretty much okay. Some of some of which could be helpful. Some of which have some subtle potential pitfalls, but mostly fine. Let's move on to a different list of things that are. There's kind of pros and cons of these. Some of them fall into the training wheels category, you know, stuff you maybe use it when you're a beginner, but you might not want to use it forever kind of thing. Um, but, but definitely they can have pros and cons, the things on this list. Um, so we talked about coffee earlier. Black coffee, black coffee is fine. What about if you add some cream? Well, now you're introducing some fat into that coffee, right? So it just goes back to that discussion. So now you're kind of increasing the energy that's coming in. Cream doesn't have much else. It has maybe a tiny bit of protein or carbohydrate, but mostly just fat. So is it a big deal? Well, the more fat you consume, the less of your own body fat you'll need to use and the more energy that's coming in. And so it's kind of a little bit less like you're fasting, but still pretty close. So it's basically fine. Creamer is kind of a different animal. Um, I don't know that much about creamer, but I understand it often has sugar or other carbs or other weird additives. So you'd pr mostly probably want to stay away from that. What about bulletproof coffee or keto coffee, where you take your coffee and you add some butter or add some coconut oil or MCT oil? Well, that's kind of the same as the coffee with cream, except that you're using a different type of fat and that the types of fat you're using might be more ketogenic because the coconut oil and the MCT oil help you generate more ketones. So that has a potential benefit, right? If you're able to boost your ketones, you might feel more focused, more energetic, etc. But it has the downside that you're taking in a lot of extra energy. So pros and cons. So it depends on your experience level and your goals, whether you might want to do that. But it's basically okay if you do choose to do that. On a kind of related note, Exogenous ketones, meaning ketone supplements, those are something else that would obviously boost your ketone level, because that's the whole point. And so it's basically a positive thing, but it is also a form of energy that you're taking into your body. So you have this external energy coming in, which means it's a little bit less like fasting, but it's still about as close to fasting as you can get <laughs> and still be you know, consuming something. Um, now, some, some ketone supplements, like the one that I've tried, have a lot of sweeteners, and so that has some potential drawbacks, which I'll get into in a minute. Um, another thing, kind of moving down this list of things with pros and cons, we've got some of these training wheels, such as bone broth. So I mentioned earlier, bone broth has a lot of protein. So it, ha it also has salt, and it has some other things, but it has protein. And so the protein might, you know, raise your insulin a tiny bit. It may kind of just change your physiology a little bit where it's not quite as much like fasting because the protein, you know, stimulates something called mTOR and other things. So it may reduce the amount of autophagy that's going on, but maybe not that much. 
So basically it's a training wheel where it, it makes it easier, but it may have some slight drawbacks. Now other types of broth, broth are different than bone broth, like veggie broth. There's a veggie broth I use sometimes that has almost no calories. It doesn't have the protein that the bone broth has, and has almost no calories, but it has a bunch of salt. So it's a really useful way to get a bunch of extra salt into my body, so I actually use that a lot when I'm fasting. Veggie broth and then things like bullion, powder, bullion, cubes, bullion, whatever, um, which again has a bunch of salt and not much else. Just has a little bit of like savory type of flavor to it. So it tastes good, but it doesn't make me crave a bunch of sweets or anything. It has almost no calories, and then I get a bunch of extra salt, which helps while I'm fasting. So I think things like that are generally worth it, unless you're trying to be super duper strict because of some specific goals that you have for your fast. So that's where it goes back to your individual goals again. What about like protein shakes? Well, it's a bunch of protein, right? <laughs> so not only do you, do you have energy coming in, but you have all this protein coming in. So maybe it might raise your insulin a little bit. It might slow down autophagy. You know, it has, has these various effects that make it less like fasting. So obviously you'd want to make sure there's no sugar or carbohydrates in that protein shake. And ideally, no sweeteners either, because those have their own, you know, pitfalls. But yeah, the protein shake, pros and cons, like I was saying. Mostly not something you would use while fasting, but, you know, some people might ask about that. What about like a pre-workout kind of drink? Well, those are not all created equal. There's a bunch of different kinds. So basically, you want to make sure it doesn't have sugar or carbohydrates. Um, for example, maltodextrin is like a filler that's a type of carb, and then there's a bunch of different types of sugar, the dextrose, and this and that and the other, that may be in the pre-workout. So if it's just something that has more like electrolytes and maybe just some other, maybe a little bit of protein, and then it's not as big of a deal. Um, maybe some other just thing that kind of boosts your energy or whatever, typically not a big deal, but you just got to look at the ingredients. And so that's actually a, a general theme for all of these things. Look at the ingredients, see what they are, see what they're going to do. And once you know whether they constitute like carbohydrates, protein, fat, you can kind of figure out what they're going to do based on what I explained earlier. What about milk? So milk comes up because people like to add it to coffee, but also there's different kinds of milk, right? Um, so it depends a little bit on the type of milk. So for example, if you have something like unsweetened coconut milk or cashew milk or almond milk, it has very little in the way of carbohydrates, and so it's probably not going to be a big deal. But if you switch to something like rice milk, then it has a ton of carbs, so that's completely different, and that would be a big problem. And then like dairy milk's kind of in between because it has a moderate amount of carbohydrate and a moderate amount of protein and, and this and that. So you're kind of better off staying away from milk, but if you do use it, try to use one that has less carbs and less calories, basically, and no sweeteners. So what are some other things that maybe, well, people, things that people ask about a lot that do have some problems you should mostly avoid, but in some individual cases may be okay if you can tolerate it. Here are a few things that fall into that category. One of those would be diet soda. So diet soda, of course, has artificial sweeteners in most cases, aspartame being the most common. And those sweeteners, they have some potential harms to your health in general. It hasn't really been studied enough to know exactly how that all works, but they definitely have some, it looks like they're probably harmful to some extent to your health. But when you're fasting, 
they can certainly stimulate cravings, stimulate, stimulate hunger, and make it harder to fast. And so that's probably the main drawback of something like diet soda. And then that same thing goes for all the artificial sweeteners, because of course they're not just in diet soda, they're in a bunch of different processed foods and supplements. And you can also buy them separately, like Splenda packets and add them to your drink or whatever. And so that same general principle applies to all of those. Now, what about something like Zevia, which is a diet soda made with stevia? Well, it's probably a better choice than um, just regular diet soda, but it still has the same problem that it might stimulate cravings or hunger and make it more difficult to fast. And so that is true of natural sweeteners in general. So that's like your stevia, your monk fruit, and others. Um, And then those natural and artificial sweeteners are often in gum. So if you ask about gum, well... It's no big deal. It's not, you know, it doesn't have that much energy, but it might just cause cravings and whatnot because of all the sweeteners. Now, a special category of natural sweeteners are the sugar alcohols, and that's your erythritol, sorbitol, maltitol, xylitol. Notice how they all kind of sound the same. They all end in OL because that kind of refers to the sugar alcohol. Um, So the thing about those is you do partially metabolize them, and so they can raise your blood sugar a little bit in some cases. It depends on the individual one that you're using, some more than others. I guess erythritol doesn't do that as much, but it it still wouldn't be zero. So they still do get absorbed and and utilized to an extent. And so they're they're probably fine in small amounts, but you wouldn't want to do very much at all while you're fasting is basically the bottom line. And those are in gum. Those are in... Lots of other like keto treats and other, you know, sugar-free foods and things like that. Um, And you can also use them individually to sweeten things. Um, So another thing people ask about is alcohol. So most alcoholic drinks have a pretty significant amount of sugar and or carbs. So of course you'd want to stay away from those. That includes beer, most types of wine, and a bunch of others like mixed drinks and things. Um, Now, theoretically, if you were drinking just like hard liquor or spirits or whatever that doesn't have anything added to it, you might be okay, but you probably also have a lower tolerance for alcohol while you're fasting, so you certainly wouldn't want to overdo it. So in general, it's probably better to just stay away from alcohol. Um, But if you were doing it, you'd have to be very cautious in low amounts and avoid the sugar, which is hard to do because most of the drinks have sugar. So that's a whole bunch of specific examples, and maybe more importantly, just the principles that you can apply to kind of figure out if there's something else. Now, it should go without saying that like food generally breaks a fast, (laughs) unless you're doing something that's a small enough amount that's not going to raise your blood sugar that you're just kind of using it as training wheels. So I didn't get into too many examples of training wheels here. That's more in that episode I did about dirty fasting that I mentioned earlier. I think that was episode 13. Um, So you can go back and listen to that if you want to. But when it comes to all these different drinks and supplements and so forth, it depends on your goals and it depends on how much it will impact your fasting, how much it changes your fasted state and kind of kicks you out of that fasted state, which will depend on exactly what's in it and what that's going to do in your body. Okay, so that was quite a bit to take in, but hopefully that was helpful overall. And if you're still kind of a beginner with fasting, don't forget to check out my intermittent fasting checklist, which you can get at fastingwell.com slash checklist, or my beginner's guide to easy fasting, which is at fastingwell.com slash 
easy. And I'll put a couple links to those in the episode description so you can find those easily as well. I've also got a bunch of other podcast episodes that you can find on the list there um, that are helpful for beginners with all sorts of different tips and talking about the benefits and so forth. And if you want to hop over to my YouTube channel, I also have some playlists there with beginner fasting tips and a bunch of information about the benefits of fasting and other related things. All right, so I think we went for quite a while there, so that's enough for today. Thanks a lot for listening. I'll see you next time on the Fasting Well podcast. The Fasting Well podcast is not medical advice and does not replace the need to consult with your own medical providers.